Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Welcome to the Weeds or Wild podcast series as a part of the Arkansas Row Crops Radio. My name is Jason Norsworthy, Distinguished Professor of Weed Science with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. And today I'm excited to be joined by one of my grad students, uh, Bodie Cotter. Bodie, hey, it's good to have you with us today. Hey, it's a pleasure pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Bodie, uh, first of all, I have to get this out. Bodie is finishing his master's project. He's probably a, a few weeks, months from finishing up. And then after that, Bodie, my, my understanding is you're going to go to law school. That's correct. So, yeah, I'm sure you have some exciting exciting plans in front of you with law school uh, being in the future. But with that, we're here today and we're going to talk about coating herbicides uh, onto fertilizers, things like urea, potash, and uh, there's some specific herbicides that you worked with in terms of your research, and that was you did a lot of work on Loyant, and you did some work on Novixid, where again, we actually coat those uh, materials onto things like uh, urea. When we take a look at products like Novixid and Loyant, and we we coat those onto urea. What are some advantages of actually coating those materials onto a fertilizer? And what did you see from a weed control standpoint with those products? You know, we come down to the to the root of one of the problems we had, which was off-target movement, and being able to coat these herbicides onto urea, we're able to potentially reduce that off-target movement. So then that leads to the weed control question at point. Um, with Loint, we're able to successfully control hemp sesbania, rice flat sedge, and duck salad when you coat it on urea. And with Novixid, we're able to successfully control barnyard grass, yellow nut sedge, hemp sesbania, rice flat sedge, and duck salad. Now, it seems like we added a few weed species in there, because we did. Uh, with Novixid, we've got the addition of, of grass with the active ingredient panoxylum in it. And that, that additional ALS herbicide allows us to uh, better control barnyard grass and offer better control for yellow nut sedge as well. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you mentioned that, and you're right. I mean, I, was, I saw the plots, we walked the plots, and we did have some grass control there. But, you know, when I look at the Novixid label, uh, Corteva does not actually have any grass species on the Novixid label, but I, I agree with you. If if they're small, one thing is that I saw in, in your work and the work that we've done over the last several years is that overall, I think the herbicides are probably more effective with a spray than when coating them on urea. So again, I mean, I've killed barnyard grass with Loyant uh, if I spray it. And you saw the same thing in terms of your sprays, but when we coat things on urea, on potash, overall, you just don't have nearly the activity that you would do with a spray. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. You know, we we did some smaller studies looking at different flood depths associated with applications following or following applications of loint coated on urea. And regardless of flood depth, we were unable to successfully control barnyard grass with loin alone. Now, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that this this isn't a good option. I really like the fact if you're in an area where you're concerned about off-target movement, uh, coating it on a uh, fertilizer, again, is an option. But overall, what we've seen is 
you're going to need, you're really going to only pick up those species that appear to be highly sensitive to uh, these herbicides. Those that are somewhat marginally controlled or you need a full rate in order to control those, you're probably not going to control those if you coat it onto uh, urea or some other fertilizer. Uh, some other things that you, you mentioned there at the start was one reason we do this is because of the off-target movement issue, drift issue. And I know that you actually did some work in soybean looking at drift rates of a spray onto soybean versus actually coating the material onto urea and looking at equivalent drift rates uh, onto soybean. What, what did those results show? So we actually looked at off-target movement involving drift rates or, or, or what we like to say low-dose exposure rates of fluoroproxen benzler loint. And we looked in two different scenarios where we had um, what we can consider a conventional wide row soybean plant on 36 inch beds here at Fayetteville. And then we also did it where we uh, used a drill and drill seeded the soybeans, uh, which you see from time to time in eastern Arkansas when you see soybean fields. Um, really was no difference in injury between those two trials when we're talking about injury from coated applications of loint or from spray applications of loint. But when we had the spray applications at a three fluid ounce rate, which would be a, a very high drift rate, uh, we actually saw a complete soybean death from that rate when it was sprayed onto the crop. But whenever it was coated onto the crop, we rarely ever exceeded 20% injury. Yeah, so basically you don't also, you don't expect a preel to move as far as you would potentially a spray droplet. Now that does not necessarily say that you can't drift. I mean, can you drift a fertilizer? Absolutely, you can drift a, a fertilizer. You know, I saw Dr. Dr. Roberts actually sent out a tweet here a couple of weeks ago, just mentioned the fact that fertilizer drifts in, in high winds and you sure don't need to be spraying in high windy conditions. But uh, with that, even though we're not eliminating it, we can definitely reduce the risk of off-target movement uh, onto soybean if we coat this stuff on, on fertilizer. Another thing to mention is it's really all about the quality of the fertilizer. You can't have something that's going to produce a dust. If it produces a dust, dust have a, has a tendency to move long distances. If it moves long distances, it's probably also going to do a better job of coating a leaf surface such as soybean. So you've got to have a preel, and that preel has got to be able to fall through the canopy and not necessarily see coverage of a crop such as soybean if you're going to minimize the risk of physical drift uh, based on the work that you've done. But in addition to that, you know, there's always discussion, well, is, is the off-target movement purely a function of physical drift, or is there also a volatilization component associated with that? And you know, you actually took some um, some loyant. Uh, we coated it again on urea. We applied it to wet soils, dry soils. I mean, trying to basically cause the material to volatilize. What did you see in those trials? You know, we we used those uh, coated urea prills with loyant, and we applied them to flats and, and low tunnel volatility trials. And we were trying to recreate what we think would be optimized volatility volatility conditions within those low tunnels and what we saw was regardless of soil moisture so like you said we had a saturated soil we had flooded conditions and we also applied it to dry soil we saw no differences 
and uh, volatilization from those. And, and we also collected some volatile, volatility data using high volume air samplers to confirm what we saw visually in the field. And there was very little to no injury. So that confirmed that uh, coating it to urea would not increase any chances of volatility events occurring even under those different moisture conditions. Exactly. So again, volatilization is really not a component. It's, it's not a concern when we, whether we're spraying these compounds, Novixid, Loyant, whether we're coating them onto fertilizers, uh, we saw no issues associated with that uh, in regards to volatilization. You know, Loyant and Novixid uh, use rates. Uh, Novixid is 27, 27.4 pounds uh, I'm sorry, fluid ounces of material that you, you need there, whereas Loyant, you only need uh, 16. And if you take a look at the two EE recommendations, uh, Corteva recommends uh, with Novixid 27.4, no, no more than 27.4 fluid ounces per 150 pounds of, of fertilizer. And then also with 16 ounces of Loyant, per 100 pounds of fertilizer but what has been your experiences when you're mixing you're mixing these products you're mixing a, a, a fluid with that of a fertilizer such as urea can you get too much of a liquid onto fertilizer and if so what happens you know i do think you can get too much of a liquid on a fertilizer I mean, for those of you that have been around fertilizers and, and seen how they react in, in higher moisture environments, if you get too much, it'll, it'll cause them to stick together. It'll be a, a, a less uh, broken apart substance, which leads to other concerns and problems in itself when it comes to application time. So you really want to make sure you're getting the right recommended rate of whatever whichever material onto the urea to ensure that you don't have any other issues after the fact yeah and you know one way of actually getting around that is moving to something like murate of potash something that's not going to be as as soluble or dissolve and because what happens is when you apply these liquid fertilizer these liquid herbicides to fertilizers such as urea you tend to dissolve that urea prill and just based on what i've i've seen i don't like to go much more than 15 to 16 fluid ounces per 100 pounds of of urea and uh, so with that again i mean you start getting higher than that i've ran into issues uh, i heard of heard of a, an instance here i guess it was last year where an individual actually had too little fertilizer per the amount of a liquid that they were applying and, and had some issues in terms of getting a material out of a plane. So we don't want to run into uh, that. And I think if we stick to 15, 16 ounces per about 100 pounds and don't go less than that from a fertilizer standpoint, uh, we should be fine there. You know, if you take a look at these labels, uh, most of your work, you looked at actually putting this stuff out pre-flood and you saw a little bit of flexibility that you had in, in pre-flood, but the two two double e recommendations from corteva uh, those are actually for post-flood applications and talk a little bit about weed size and and the importance of of small weeds and what are your thoughts there in terms of controlling those weeds yeah when we look back at some of the some of the research we've done over the past two years one of the common denominators we saw was about effectively controlling it with these coded application methods was 
uh, weed size and weed size pl- weed size plays a lot into to being able to control weeds even that you would normally be able to control with Loint. But when you increase your weed size, like say if you've got a four to five inch flood in a field and and you drop in uh, coated on urea Loint. You're going to expect less control if you've got, say, a hemp sesbania plant that's 50 to 70 percent out of the water because you're just getting less of that herbicide uh, interception with the plant material. Really, the uptake of the herbicide is going to be in the water itself. When we take these materials and we coat them onto a prill, you're not getting any interception. So the material is going to have to be active in the water, taken up there. And if you, again, if you look back at the labels or these recommendations from Corteva, uh, they're going to recommend 70% of the weed be submerged. I, th- I really think based on what I've seen in the field, that's a good estimate. Uh, if you have 50, 60% of that weed that's going to be out of the water, uh, you have a tendency to increase your risk of missing those those weeds. You know, things like coffee bean, or, or hemp sesbania, five, six inches. If I've got a three-inch flood, four-inch flood, something like that, five, six inches, I'm I'm good in terms of controlling it. That's probably the break point. When I start getting above that, uh, we start having some issues. And, you know, yeah, you've, you've looked, uh, Bodie, you looked at actual weed sizes where we looked at small weeds and we looked at large weeds and you definitely saw a break depending on the timing. Sure, sure. Especially, you know, even a, an easier to control weed like hemp sesbania with loint, when we got up to, to approximately 10 inch weed size or even a little bit greater, our control started dropping off pretty drastically. Yes. Um, also, when you think about a herbicide that you're putting out just right in front of the flood or maybe even dropping this herbicide into the flood shortly after flood establishment you know at times we we have excessive rainfall levees break we lose water various reasons we may lose water from the field and some of your data said that we needed to really hold that hold that water as long as possible uh, before that water starts moving before we start moving it potentially from bay to bay or again uh, Hopefully, we don't break levees, but if levees begin to break and we begin to lose water, we could have some issues with herbicides like this that are active in the water. And so with that, if you take a look at the the recommendations, uh, we recommend as well as, again, what I think Corteva's recommending, at least 10 days, we'd like to see that herbicide held in the water uh, without it, without it moving. Uh, in order to get optimum activity of the herbicide. Otherwise, we have a tendency to have a little bit less control than what we would expect uh, based on our our research. And so with that, uh, Bodie, is there anything else that you've learned from your studies over the last couple of years that you would like to add as it relates to uh, Novixid, Loyan, or coating uh, herbicides onto uh, various fertilizers? Uh, more just so from a practicality standpoint, you know, whenever you're putting out these herbicides coated on urea, it's very important to be able to get that water onto that herbicide coated prill as soon as possible because as the amount of time, as you increase time from, from your application to your flooding, you know, you've got the potential of potential herbicide breakdown or, or other environmental influences to lessen your weed control. 
And I think that's probably why Corteva actually recommends not putting it on dry ground, putting it actually into uh, the flood. I know most of your work, you actually looked at putting it on uh, on fields where at times they were dry, at times they we had rainfall events and we had wet soil and and uh, there, there's all different conditions under which you applied these materials. But overall, I believe Corteva is recommending that it go onto a flooded field. And I understand the importance of that is because if it feels flooded, you're not having to wait to get water across it. Some of these fields in Arkansas, I mean, I've talked to some growers that's actually said that it may take them as many as 12, 13 days uh, from the time that they get urea out until uh, they can actually get a flood across an entire field. And you can't wait. A, a product like this, I'll tell you, you can't sit there and wait uh, 13 days because this herbicide is not going to have any activity until you get water on it. You're not going to get the post-emergence activity like what you get with, for instance, a loyant spray, a Novixid spray. You've got to have the water there if you're going to have the activity of these herbicides. So with that, anything, anything else, Bodie, that you, you want to add? I think we've covered it about all. Okay, well, hey, Bodie, I really appreciate you joining us today. And again, good luck as you begin to start uh, law school. And I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us for this episode of the Weeds Are Wild podcast series on the Arkansas Row Crops Radio. Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.uada.edu.